It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This was recorded Thursday night, June 23rd, before the decision was made in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. You guys know, if you follow Live in the Bream, and I hope you do, that my favorite guest this time of year is the one and only Bill Mears, our Supreme Court producer, our resident brainiac. He has covered and learned more about the Supreme Court than I will ever do. And it is a joy to welcome Bill back as we discuss the end of the term. Hey, Bill. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. And so thankful always that um, we are teamed up and covering this court as you have done for many, many years. Um, Grateful that you've joined us at Fox to do that as well the last few years. And as you and I are talking, it is Thursday. We got the gun ruling out of New York today. Um, We're going to do opinions again on Friday morning and probably next week. So let me first get your take on the gun ruling because there's been reaction all over the place. Um, Folks on the left say, Uh, we're going to have more guns flooding into the streets than ever before. People are going to be running around, um, you know, just completely unfettered with guns on the streets of every city and every County of this country. Um, and on the other side, (laughs) you have some people who support the second amendment who are arguing, yeah, that's exactly what the court's done. I don't think so. What do you think? I agree. Um, the issue here was whether, whether lawful gun owners have a constitutional right to carry a loaded firearm with them when they leave the home or whether states could limit these so-called concealed carry permits to those who have a special need to be armed. Well, the court in emphatic terms said there's a constitutional right under the second and 14th amendments to carry a handgun out in public with you. And I think uh, what it's going to lead to, it's gonna make it easier for people to carry these kinds of weapons, Um, but it's not gonna open the door to allow any kind of weapons. Uh, It's still gonna give states a great deal of discretion to, to pass um, uh, restrictions on, on concealed mm-hmm. carry. Yeah. Like things like you may have to pass a background check, do fingerprints, be a certain age, um, things that are considered objective criteria. I think that where the court was concerned and said New York had gone too far and had crossed that constitutional line was in saying, you've got to have some special showing that you've got a special need of self-defense other than you're just an American who wants to exercise your second amendment rights. Yes. And I think um, also the kinds of weapons that could be carried out in public too, um, that's still an unresolved. I think a lot of uh, gun rights advocates think that uh, they may be able to carry um, assault weapons or rifles out in public. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Um, the court didn't didn't go that far today. It was much more of a nuanced ruling that gives um, states a little bit of leeway to kind of pass the kind of uh, reasonable gun restrictions that the court said uh, they could do. So we will see. We will see. Because I do think, um, you know, I, I saw one estimate by the Duke University um, Center on Firearms Law that they estimate about 25% of the U.S. population is in this handful of states that have laws similar to New York that will probably now, in light of the court's decision, have to reevaluate those, or at least if not, they're going to stand um, now up to some serious legal challenges on their own if they don't make the changes. Um, so, okay, that is going to be the fallout. Uh, it will continue. Not surprising that Justice Thomas wrote this. He has said in the past, as have others, 
that he thought the Second Amendment was being treated like a second class right and that it um, should be on par with our other uh, um, constitutional amendments. And he talked about the fact that in his opinion, he believes that there's not a constitutional amendment out there that requires us to go to the government and prove a need to exercise it before we actually get to exercise it. So that's how he framed that. We have this from him. We're still waiting on several other biggies. So let me ask you this. We have um, some that are more complicated than others. One I don't think will be super complicated, and I could be wrong, is the one involving Coach Joe Kennedy from Washington State. Got into a dispute with his school district out there uh, as he wanted to pray on the 50-yard line. He was a football coach after the games. Uh, There was a point where students started joining him. Sometimes students and coaches from other schools started joining him. um, And there was apparently a complaint at some point by someone who thought this was the appearance of the students, you know, being encouraged or coerced in some way to take part. And and obviously um, the school as a governmental entity, not to be taking part in something that would look like they were endorsing a specific religion. Um, There was a big disagreement. This has gone on for years. He eventually left that job, but has not stopped fighting. I think it's seven years now. The case was argued a few weeks ago. Um, What are you looking for in that case and that decision as we await the uh, final opinion? Well, the issue here is whether public school employees who engage in this brief prayer on on the 50-yard line actually have have any First Amendment protection or how much the, uh, the, the state can control what, what happens on school property. You know, for decades now, obviously since the 1960s, this court has, has told public schools they may not promote group prayers based on the principle of church-state separation. Um, but as we heard in the arguments um, from April, the court's conservatives are pretty skeptical of that idea, and they're likely to rule for the coach um, whose prayers drew crowds of students um, and the support of a number of uh, religious liberty groups. So uh, I, I think this is going to be a win for the for the coach, but uh, we'll see how far the uh, the court will go in, in granting that right. I don't think it's going to be an absolute right. I think they are going to allow um, school districts to have some kind of limits, but it's clear uh, the, the religious liberty is going to prevail here. Yeah, I mean, there were these questions during the case at where to draw the line. Um, do you tell someone who maybe wears a piece of clothing or has an outer expression that um, matches and expresses their religious faith, whether it's a yarmulke or hijab or something else, is that permissible? I think all of us would argue that sounds reasonable, but then comes the question, can a teacher pray over their lunch? Um, can they share a Bible verse? Um, it'll be interesting to see where the court goes on this. We'll have more live in the bream in a moment. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. We know in the fall they're going to take up the case of this web designer in a Colorado law that says um, that she would need to, as being a person who's in the public stream of business, um, you know, if a same-sex couple came to her and wanted a website for their wedding, that she would be compelled to do that. She's arguing that you can't compel her speech to be in violation of, you know, her religious beliefs and her religious um, faith and her expression. Surprising to you that they took that up for the fall um, or not? Because I, I think the last case they had with Masterpiece Cakes didn't really resolve that question. Yeah, they have, the, the court stopped short of uh, deciding whether um businesses that engage in this kind of artistic expression, like a baker, um, like a wedding planner, um, have a First Amendment uh, right to refuse 
to serve uh, certain customers based on their religious beliefs. So now this case uh, gives the court a chance to, uh, to more to definitively rule about where the First Amendment uh, line is drawn between uh, um, religious liberty and, uh, and, and, and discrimination based on, uh, uh, on, on sexual orientation. There's also a big affirmative action case coming in the fall. Um, your thoughts on that one? This involves Harvard University. Yes, it's um, the court is going to be deciding whether affirmative action um, uh, can be fully applied um, in the higher education context. Uh, courts have said that the, the university has a has a right to um, race based criteria when deciding which students to admit. Um, the court has um, danced around this issue for decades now without, uh, um, and both sides have, have, have said that the, the issue is not fully resolved. So we'll see whether the court is prepared to go further than they have before and decide just um, how far uh, race-based criteria can be used within the education context. So as we we look ahead to where this court goes, um, it's, you know, you, you talk about some internal angst a little bit. We did see Justice Sotomayor come out and have very nice things to say about Justice Thomas, who the day we are recording this uh, on Thursday, the 23rd is his birthday. And she had very kind things to say about how he genuinely cares about people. And they both have the same goals. They just have very different philosophies about how to get there, um, how to get to these decisions. And um, so good things from her. But I think you've noted several times recently, um, it seems like in some of her dissents, she seems a little frustrated with where things are going this term. She has, in some opinions, she's kind of indirectly signaled that the uh, uh, that the changes on the court from the past few years, when uh, uh, President Trump was able to appoint three conservative justices onto the bench, in in a very short period of time, has changed the uh, ideological balance and given the court a six to three robust conservative majority. Um, and she's become frustrated on that and has signaled that. Uh, this court has been uh, a little over eager in, in attempting to try to uh, move the court a little bit to the right. Uh, clearly, the uh, members of the, the three justice liberal minority are starting to feel a level of frustration about uh, about where the, uh, the where this court is moving. Mm-hmm. So we got a, uh, just a short time left. Um, we are saying goodbye to one of the justices. Justice Breyer is retiring. Um, I've always enjoyed chats with him. He's a very congenial guy. I think he's very well loved. We saw the chief justice um, to us appeared a little bit um, emotional um, when he was sort of saluting and and preparing to say goodbye to Justice Breyer. Your thoughts on him and his time on the court? I always thought Justice Breyer brought what I call light and lightness to the court. He he was very much interested in having the public understand what the court did. He probably gave more public interviews and media interviews than any justice. And he was very interested in trying to help the people understand the the court's work because most of it's done behind the scenes in chambers, no cameras. It's, It's a hard place to kind of understand, even for reporters like us who have been covering this for years. Uh, but he also brought a sense of humor and a sense of um, real collegiality with his colleagues. They, I, I haven't met anyone who, who doesn't like Justice Breyer as a, mm-hmm. as a, as a person. He is a, a marvelously witty, um, engaging, outgoing, and somebody very interested in not just things on the court. He's, he's, he's interested in, in baseball, um, 
architecture, uh, so many interests beyond the court, a uh, real Renaissance man in my, in my view. And I think he's going to be sorely missed as somebody who was uh, trying to bring the, the other justices together. He was always looking for consensus to kind of to bring a sense of unity and purpose to, to, to the court's work. And um, as this court has gotten more fractured over the years, uh, I think we're going to miss um, Justice Breyer and his ability to try to bring uh, his colleagues together. Mm-hmm. He will definitely be missed, but we wish him all of the best and uh, that he will find a lot of fun with those many, um, I think, interests of his. He will continue digging into, continue writing, continue speaking. Um, so he may leave the court, but we will still have plenty, I think, to hear from Justice Breyer. Um, Bill Mears, you are a lifesaver every day and uh, covering the court with you is a lot of fun. I'm grateful for you and thanks for your time today. I'm living the brief. Thank you. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.